Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Tahina, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to virtually meet you. Are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, of course. So my name is Tahina McManus. I married my husband, Tristan, in 2014. He's from Ireland. And we have two children, uh, a little girl named Echo, who is four, and a son whose name is Oshin, who is 18 months. Amazing. And the reason we wanted to chat to you on the show is you have brought out a documentary this month, the start of this month in October, called Misunderstandings of Miscarriage. And it's a bit of a story of your journey to motherhood and the kind of roller coaster you've been through, but also uh, the roller coaster many women and families go through to start uh, in the hopes to start a family. Can you tell us a little bit about why you made this documentary? Sure. Well, I made, I started making the film primarily as a coping mechanism. So a lot of the video journals that I was doing was just a way of processing what I was feeling. And I actually made the film after I experienced my second miscarriage. So I had my first miscarriage, which really impacted me. I suppressed a lot of those feelings and, you know, feelings that I was feeling physically, emotionally, such as guilt and shame and this idea that I caused it. And I, I was very confronted by those feelings. So when I had my second miscarriage and that came up again, all these feelings came up and I, I wasn't journaling or anything at the time. I mean, I, I, I've always worked in films, so it, it just kind of felt natural to pick up my phone and, and talk to a camera. And I suppose in my head, I thought maybe I could piece these little videos together and figure out a way. If I know someone who's experienced miscarriage, I can sort of send them these videos that I'm doing. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it started. I, I was... I, I really wasn't sure what I was doing. And at that point, I had started a production company with a friend of mine named Kelly Tomasich. And she just really encouraged me to keep talking and keep trying to understand what I was going through. She had never experienced loss before, but she had questions too surrounding miscarriage and how to approach it, you know, as a support person. So we discussed the idea, you know, on, on a larger scale once I started speaking with friends and family and I started to see a common thread that a lot of us were saying very similar things, that we were feeling guilty, that we were feeling shameful, that we were confused, we didn't understand, we felt incredibly isolated. And at that point I felt like perhaps this was a bigger conversation than just me and my video diary. And that's kind of how the film was born. Can I just say that your documentary is an absolute eye-opener for women like myself who haven't gone through a miscarriage, but also for partners that don't understand what's going on. I mean, I watched this last week and I had goosebumps the entire way through and a massive lump in my throat. And I really... 
I mean, miscarriage is just something that I've I've never really understood until watching this documentary, and I really think that everyone needs to understand it a little bit more so, you know, these women can be more supported and understood. Yeah, that was a huge part of making this film, and I think, you know, you said it so perfectly as well. I mean, if you haven't experienced loss, it's very hard to understand the feelings that you're going through and especially if you're really trying to to have a family and you know current statistics are one in four one in three the older you get and you know for those women who don't experience loss or those families that don't experience loss a lot of the time it's like well well what is this grief you know how and like you said how do we best support those going through it and then on the other side of it is the partner's because the partner is not physically experiencing the loss, but they're also grieving a loss. So it's very complex and it's, you know, it's very hard to kind of get a a good understanding. So the only way I thought I could show that was to show the many degrees of how it affects people and sort of give a broad, I I guess, a broad spectrum of what that looks like. And what I also loved about this is you know, I'm someone who has been through it before. I I love that the documentary, it not only helps people be able to support women, but it's also so, I mean, I found it for myself. I left feeling like I understood myself more and what had happened to myself more physically and mentally. I think nowadays people are starting to talk about, you know, the mental implications of it and the emotional burden of it. But it's often forgotten that you've physically gone through something pretty traumatic too. Like I never had to have a DNC when I had a miscarriage, but it still was an entire night on the toilet in pain. Like, you know, you're bleeding a lot. You're like, oh shit, should I be going into hospital now? Like, and I feel like almost that part is ignored too. And I can, you know, there was one woman you interviewed who'd had to have three DNCs in three weeks or something. And it's just... But one in four women, I mean, that statistic is so high and that's virtually either a very close family member or friend going through this and yet we are all so, I guess, it's, it is, it's, it's misunderstood. No one really understands or really knows what's going on and how to react and, and, and process a miscarriage. It just blows my mind that that stat is so high and yet we're all like, oh, yep, yep, she's had At a miscarriage. At least you could get pregnant. Oh, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it is, it's because, you know, I I, I always liken it to this idea if someone loses a loved one, you know, if someone loses a grandmother, you that that they're very close with, you send flowers, you offer your condolences, you show your support in whatever, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. How can I, you know, please let me know if I can help you. How can I help you? And I guess because within a miscarriage, you're sort of grieving an idea, you know, this, this, this concept of a baby. And you were saying so yourself that it's very hard to process because you're sitting there and, and the medical side is sort of telling you, well, you know, it's a group of cells or it's eight weeks or it wasn't fully formed, so it wasn't even a real baby. But to you and to your family, it is very much a real baby. And I think that's the hardest thing and that's part of why we minimise the loss and the the mental and emotional impacts of that. You know, if I think the currently I know it's one in three women also suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder following a miscarriage because, like you said, physically, if you haven't experienced loss or, or childbirth, it's, 
it's not a heavy period. I mean, it's often described as a heavy period, but you are also contracting. Your uterus is contracting to get it out. So it's almost like you go into this mini form of labor to to expel the pregnancy. And it's just so confronting. There's so, there's just so many things that, you know, when you see it all happening and you're, like you said, you're on the toilet and you see, you know, just this copious amounts of blood. I know with my second, I was bleeding for 12 weeks straight. So that, you know, not only was I completely physically gone. Yeah. I just, I had quite bad complications and, you know, I kept waiting for it to all naturally expel, but I ended up having to go and get a couple of ultrasounds to figure out what to do next. But yeah, there is, there is just, I think this just adds to the, the stigma and silence around it is because we don't fully acknowledge the impact of it emotionally and physically. I agree. I think so much of it is the morning of what could have been and the memories that you will not make, which is so different to so many other losses because you're more mourning what you did have. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, I, I, someone commented to me the other day, like, you know, well, just stop talking about it and just count your blessings. I said, you're kind of missing the point here is that I'm not trying, I'm trying to open up a conversation because of course I count my blessings, but you know, I was physically going through depression and anxiety and there are millions of women who are going through that as well and their partners are going through that and it's deeply affecting them so surely something has to change surely we have to talk about this more so it's just interesting there's you know there's varying you know there's varying ways people look at it but for the most part i've had an incredible response to the film and you know because it hasn't been easy sharing my story has been really difficult and you know for the women involved in the film as well I, it was just like I was so privileged to share their story. So it it, it wasn't easy for them as well. But we all kind of had to understand that, take ourselves outside of the story for the bigger conversation, which is we need to do something on a societal level about this so people don't suffer anymore. Absolutely. And I even, Chrissy Teigen, obviously she sadly lost her third child, but the feedback and the outrageous comments that have been sent to her. I I read one saying, I can't believe you're going through this, yet you decided to document this journey. I mean, this is the problem. She's actually documenting it maybe because this is her way of dealing and coping and, and, you know, addressing the situation that's happening to her. And also she's probably wanting to have other women out there understand that, you know, people are going through this and this is a real thing. But it does blow my mind that people can be so cruel when people really are struggling through these, these, these hard times in their lives. Yeah, look, it was so amazing what Chrissy Teigen did. That takes real guts. And I think she did it on a bigger level was to, you know, yes, express her grief, but also for anyone else experiencing it. And then I saw, I immediately saw a reaction when she posted that other women started sharing their stories and thanked her, you know. So yes, there were a few, and I I will never understand people who have anything negative to say on someone who's just trying to express grief and trying to process grief. But, you know, unfortunately there are people out like that, but, you know, kudos to Chrissy Teigen and and other women who've spoken out about it because unfortunately this does happen to a lot of women and 
you don't want to feel alone when you're going through it. Totally. And you go into it quite in depth in the documentary and I do strongly encourage anyone listening, whether you've been through a miscarriage or haven't, to watch it, male, female, anyone, to watch it. Honestly, I think it gives you a greater understanding of society as a whole. But can you tell us a little bit about your journey to become a mother and and what you have been through? Yeah, for sure. Well, I like I was saying before, I, I had experienced... My first uh, miscarriage at the age of 28, when my husband and I decided, you know, we wanted to start a family and, you know, just as I expected and I saw in the movies, I fell pregnant straight away and it was magical. It was amazing. And it was just a really amazing two weeks we had with each other where we were just sort of, you know, kind of imagining this whole life and, and changing what we were going to do and, you know, figuring out what our future looked like. And then I woke up and because I had, you know, terrible morning sickness, I woke up and I woke up with no morning sickness and I walked to the bathroom and I noticed blood on the floor as I was walking to the bathroom and, and then the cramps started and it just, it came on so heavy and fast and it was like my body just went into, it went into shock and I was I was just completely, I I was so naive to miscarriage at that point that I was still even hoping that it was something else. Like I I knew that something was wrong, but I was like, hopefully if I go to the hospital, you know, the baby's okay. So I must've been six or seven weeks, somewhere between six and eight weeks pregnant because I hadn't, I hadn't booked in my dating scan. And so when we went to this hospital, we were waiting there and I just kept cramping and cramping. My pants were soaked with blood. I finally got seen and the sonographer did an ultrasound and just said, there's, she lived, her words were, there's nothing here. And I remember saying, I'm in so much pain. And she said, well, you're just going to have to go home and take a Panadol. And then she like, that was it. And I, from that point on, it was like, I, I knew, okay, I've lost the pregnancy. And then you start down that rabbit hole of Google and it was like, gosh, was it that coffee I had? Was it the, you know, was it the jog I went for? Like it, my mind just went, you know, down this horrible dark space of blaming myself. And unbeknownst to me, my husband was doing the same thing. And then like a miracle happened where I fell pregnant with my daughter Echo uh, within weeks of that miscarriage. And at that point I... I actually thought maybe I maybe I didn't miscarry, you know, like I was so confused. And but no, it was a new pregnancy and Echo came along and was that that pregnancy, you know, was tainted because I was obviously so fearful of everything and you know, pregnancy brings on all sorts of symptoms, so you you're thinking of every little cramp, every little anything. And but thankfully she was born healthy and strong and was just, you know, my absolute joy. 18 months later, because I I had come from, you know, a big family, I was like, yep, I'm, I want to have a sibling for Echo. I can't wait. And again, we fell pregnant straight away and miscarriage didn't come into my mind. And that was the second miscarriage where I ended up getting a miss miscarriage. And that, like I said, that was really traumatic and it, it dragged on. And then 
when my husband and I tried to go again, we lost that pregnancy as well. So I I never struggled with, uh, I guess, fertility. Like I, I fell pregnant, but I was, yeah, I, I lost those two babies in a row. And at that point, I started to really panic. And Tristan and I actually filed for adoption papers. I was like, do I go see doctors now? Like, is something wrong with me? Maybe there is. So yeah, it was... I, I, and then after that pregnancy, I, I had fallen pregnant with my my son Oshin. But the, but this whole time, I was also filming the documentary, so it, it took its toll on me in certain aspects, especially when I was pregnant with my son, because you know I was talking to women who were you know experiencing loss, and my son's pregnancy was not an easy pregnancy. So yeah, I, I've kind of gone off track. I can't remember what the question was now. But yeah, so that's sort of my journey. It was mentioned in the documentary how dismissive the healthcare system is when it comes to telling a mother that they are no longer carrying a child anymore. Do you think sonographers and doctors need to be a little bit more empathetic and mindful in situations like this? Yeah, look, each uh, for me and for the women I spoke to, I definitely think there needs to be a, sh- a shift in the language. I have spoken to women who quite like the pragmatic approach, who quite like sort of knowing numbers and statistics because they can separate themselves. But I think ultimately what needs to be done is the understanding of the of the grief and what because right now you're not given any type of resources except for what you go and try and find yourself through support networks, through online forums, whatever that is. So when your doctor or your sonographer says to you, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat or I'm sorry, you've lost your pregnancy, you're, you know, you're a million answers flow into your mind. Like, well, why? How? You know, so I just, I, I feel like if doctors gave a little bit more care and time, it was nice to talk to doctors who explained to me what happens to your body during a miscarriage, why a miscarriage happens, but then also acknowledge we know that this is the loss of a baby for you and I'm so sorry. I mean, it maybe it's an extra minute of that time in the office, but I mean, surely doctors can do that to help families. Especially at times like that, all you really do want is someone to be a little bit empathetic with your circumstance. Because now when I started the film, Pink Elephant Support Network had been around for two years. So they've, they've I think now they've been around for four years and they've made some incredible progress. And I, I, I know that some doctors are referring to you know places like Pink Elephants or Bears of Hope or Sands. I've been working working really closely with the team at Virtus Health, who not only changed their bereavement leave policy to include miscarriage for all their staff after you know after seeing the film, but they also you know really are actively working at changing the language, and that for me is huge. But it's still we you know we still need to reach everyone else, and so. I think when we get to that point where doctors can give you sort of a little information booklet so you don't go down that rabbit hole of Google and just spend that extra minute of just explaining it's nothing you have done, you know, if these emotions come up, you know, we have a great psychologist here, you know, just just a little bit more information because as you were saying, it really hits you in your gut when it happens and, you, and you're trying to process it. It's it's a lot. And sometimes the only time you have contact with a health professional is literally when you're in the mm. middle of it. And I, I mean, I managed to stay home with mine. It never got to a point that I went to hospital, but I can only imagine, you know, being in the grips of it and bleeding even more than I was. Like, you're probably not 
taking much in. So then for that to be your only time that you can talk to anyone about it, well, I personally wouldn't have been able to hear anything that anyone was saying. Totally, totally. And it's, you know, and and my biggest thing is I'm not here to vilify the medical community because they, they have a really tough job. You know, there's, there's, I mean, outside of, you know, when you're in a sonographer's office, you know, they're also telling patients, you know, whether they've got a tumour. I mean, there's all sorts of it. But I just think if we can start to all have an open conversation, there's understanding from both sides. Because there was, was one point where I was very angry with how I was treated, especially during that first miscarriage. And now I've sort of come around to understanding that, okay, you know, they're trying to do their job. So how can we all work together so it it's easier for us all. Totally. And before I had the girls, I actually did work as a doctor and I worked in the ED for a while where, you know, you get multiple women in a day having a miscarriage and I think that you can just get used to the fact sure. that, that that it is so common and I think for a lot of women it is reassuring to know that it's really common but that doesn't take away from your grief so even when I went through it myself I was like why am I so upset I know this is one in four pregnancies like this is really common but that doesn't like invalidate your feelings and the feeling of loss just because it is common well, absolutely. You know, just because something is common doesn't mean it hurts. You know, it's like, like anything it's, uh, we have, we speak to an, uh, an incredible woman who's in the film, Katie Lindemann, who wrote Uber Barons Club. She's claimed the term Baroness, but she, she even said to me, she was like, you know, divorce is common, but we don't all dismiss, you know, like we don't dismiss that all under the, you know, it's, it's a really interesting, and it is sometimes, yeah, you do feel a little bit of like, oh, okay, this is common, this happens. So why am I upset? Because it's still a loss. Women who go through a miscarriage tend to blame themselves and feel like a failure, which is absolutely heartbreaking. But the father or the partner can also feel this way too. And from what we are told, miscarriage is completely out of our control. How did you and your partner support each other during these times? Tristan and I, well, basically Tristan was very much the support system for me. And I say that in the film too. I, I had I wish I'd stopped a little more to kind of uh, check in with him and see how he was coping. But, you know, for the partners as well, it's, it's a huge loss. My husband and I didn't really talk about it until I sort of sat down with him and forced him to on camera, at, at which point I learned that he was blaming himself, you know, for, because he used to drink, you know, when he was as a teenager and like, I, it's, it's bizarre where our mind goes. And I do think that the answer to kind of, you know, I do think the support system also needs support sometimes because, you know, you don't always know what to say or how to help. And I wish, you know, Tristan and I spoke at length by the time my third miscarriage had come around and we were able to kind of process that together. But certainly the first time around, we kind of both took our separate ways of dealing with it. And I think if maybe we had come together a little bit earlier, it would have been a different process for us both. 
And I did love, I can't remember who it was, but someone in the film commented about, you know, once a woman has been through loss, like you'd never have that innocent sense of joy when you're pregnant ever again. And I really felt that because I feel like the first time I got pregnant, I felt how you felt where I was like, oh, we're untouchable and I'm this maternal goddess and look how easily this (laughs) happened. And I think once you go through loss, it is so true. You then all of a sudden, yeah, I think pregnancy from then on is really fragile. And I found, especially with my second daughter, I could not be excited for her pregnancy until we had that dating scan. Yeah, it's very difficult. And and that's part of the psychology of it all is that it's very hard to not be anxious, not be anxious when, you know, you, you see a positive pregnancy test and it's like, okay, all right, well, don't get too excited because you know, this could potentially end in how it happened last time. It's, it's very, it's very hard. Pregnancy after loss is, you know, another facet where more, I I think more resources should be given to women to deal with that. Cause I, I especially found it with my, my son, so difficult, really, really difficult. And you mentioned that like with first pregnancy, you, you know, you, you've got excitement, you've got butterflies, you're happy, you're excited. And then obviously you fall pregnant after a miscarriage. And I think it was you in the documentary that said you were now filled with anxiety and worry. And, you know, that's, it is such a shame because there's actually nothing you can really do because that is just what you're going to feel like after having such a disappointment the first time. Yeah. And there's, unfortunately, like, I wish you could switch that off. You know, I wish I could have just switched that off in my mind. And, you know, I, I did all the pregnancy pictures. I smiled through them. I, I, and, but, but a big part of me would go to bed at night, just going like, oh, you know, and I, it's very, then that just sort of compounds the guilt because you want to be that earth goddess maternal person that's so connected and you know I I wanted to be that that person but I was like why aren't I that person why aren't I you know feeling all these things why aren't I connected why aren't I and it it just compounded all these this layers of guilt and that was really hard for me to process and I think it is for a lot of women because you know you see all these women rubbing their bellies and they they can feel their baby and you're there going like I I can't because I'm so scared. I'm terrified of losing this baby, so I haven't allowed myself. Yeah, it's scary to connect. You feel like you're, yeah, you're really leaving yourself vulnerable to allow yourself to connect. And I remember I got to the point where I was just going, you know, maybe it was a bit before 20 weeks, and I was like, you know what, just buy the baby shoes. If you lose the pregnancy or you're going to be bloody devastated it's not going to be because you bought like the shoes do you know what I mean like I was like you're not going to mourn totally you're not going to mourn because there's cute little booties in the drawer you're going to mourn because you've lost your baby so just allow yourself to look at those really cute shoes and just bloody buy them of course yeah and that's the thing because then you do you it's like you know already you're going through such a hormonal change so already your mind's playing tricks on you and yeah, for those moments that you want to enjoy and you should be able to, you, you absolutely should. It's, um, you know, we I had this moment with my son where I was just sort of thinking when we were discussing names and because I, I hated the name Oshin in the beginning and I was like, that's why I can't connect with him, Tristan, because you want to call him Oshin and I can't, I can't connect to that name. So I just called him what I wanted to end up calling him. But, but again, yeah, that was, I was so scared I was just going to jinx 
like I had this bizarre thing that I was going to jinx my pregnancy. It was, it was so strange. And looking at it now, I think, oh God, so many days being so anxious, I could have actually just relaxed. But, you know, I guess that's always, you know, things in hindsight, you've got to learn. And I can't imagine how that would have been even more difficult being surrounded by the making of this documentary at the same time, as you said. I mean, even if you wanted to forget about it for a second, you that was probably really difficult. Yeah, and I couldn't, and I, I've been asked, you know, a lot, like how, like why did you keep filming? And I just had started, you know, at that point I had filmed all these women who, like I said, it was such an honour to sh- that they trusted me to share their, you know, a traumatic experience in their life. So I couldn't stop. And at that point too, they were invested in making a change and and somehow getting their stories out there to make this change. So I, I couldn't give up because I was scared, but certainly I, I wanted to. There were days where I, you know, when I was diagnosed with the diabetes and then he had uh, like just there was just so much, so much in his pregnancy where I thought I just I have to stop. I want to stop. And it was it was difficult. Of women who suffer pregnancy loss, you know, they're made to sit in the same room with other women who are pregnant, women that have babies. I personally have never obviously experienced a miscarriage, but I posted something when I was eight months pregnant with my third daughter and I was in a waiting room and I posted this thing on Instagram saying, why is it when you walk into a maternity waiting room, every mother doesn't really smile. They seem to look down at the floor or look away like we all don't exist And I had a few responses saying that it was insincere of me to say that because some of these women could have just had a miscarriage and they are sitting in a room filled with joy that isn't theirs. And when I read these, I I actually had tears in my eyes because I thought, imagine actually having a miscarriage and having to sit in a room full of women that, you know, are pregnant and are about to have a baby and you're about to just go through, you know, a totally different chapter at this time in your life, how hard that would be. Do you think that there would, like, there should be separate sections in hospitals and offices for women that have miscarriages? Oh, look, I, obviously, wouldn't that be lovely? But, we, but you know, the reality is, you know, with public hospital systems and stuff there, there there's no money to do that but I do think I don't know what the answer is there because it is true there you know I I have been in a waiting room pregnant and had someone come in and they've just been given bad news you know one of the women who is in the film Rebecca she lost her twins at 35 weeks and she was sitting in the waiting room heavily pregnant and she she confided in me after actually after we spoke on camera she was like yeah I had people like congratulating me and I didn't have the heart to tell them they were both dead and it was just like I just couldn't stop crying after I spoke with her and I just yeah it is so hard to know what to do and yeah I think look I think if there's a way that if someone's experiencing miscarriage they can perhaps be seen you know separately if they can be given space to grieve I know there are separate rooms that they can you know whatever that looks like but you know again like I'm not here to sort of bang on about the hospital system because I know that they're under pressure too but yeah I do think it really it would help a lot of 
women who've experienced loss if there was just that little bit more care. Yeah, I remember sitting in the waiting room and I would look around and, you know, if there was a couple that, like, didn't stereotypically look healthy or whatever, I was like, oh, why do you get to have this healthy baby and I don't get to? But I also think that if someone offered to put me in the women having a miscarriage room, I would probably be like, oh, great, I'm, like, you know, being shunned to some, like, like you know barren room or whatever over there like no but I think it's more like a protection thing like you know you if if there was a, it's like every other area in the hospital has a different section and that would just be I'm not, I'm not no, no no I totally get like what it's meant to be but I worry that like you know when things get busy sometimes the thought behind something gets lost and I think it could run Sep- the yeah, risk separate. of being like, okay, well, let's separate them. Like mm. I know that's not mm. what the intention would be going into it, mm. but, you know, you're, it's such an emotionally charged time that things can be taken the wrong way. Yeah, and, look, you bring up a great point that just uh, it could just, you know, further, you know, uh, isolate people. So, Again, I, I don't, I don't have the answer, but I, I do think if there was, you know, uh, midwives or counselors or therapists on ground, perhaps a little bit more. That again, a brochure would be good. <laughs> yeah, let's start good. there. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, yeah, maybe a DVD you of your documentary just floating on the screen. <laughs> just yeah, I mean, just something so you don't go onto your phone or you don't sit there in complete isolation and, you know, wonder what what you did wrong it's you know so I I yeah I don't know what the answer is but certainly we don't want to isolate anyone so I yeah it's it's a tricky it's a very like I said it's it's so complex absolutely what were the main things you feel like you learnt from doing this project there was so much you know obviously I learned a lot about myself and my experience but I learnt a lot about, I guess, the, the broader picture. And I found it really interesting when I was speaking to Claire Holt, who talks about this bizarre secret of the 12-week the rule, which we sort of all still weirdly adhere to, you know, like we, we I, I mean, certainly I, I, I tell my friends and family like super early, but there's like this weird, you know, for anyone else, you're like, I won't tell you. It's like, it's really strange. I mean, there were, there were many things I learned, you know, definitely in terms of just understanding what I was going through in the terms of like, why I felt this grief so intensely and why I didn't have to be ashamed of that was, was certainly one of the biggest learnings for me. And the other one that I think is really important is this hierarchy of grief where, you know, if you lose the baby at two weeks, eight weeks, 18 weeks, 35 weeks, it shouldn't be like, well, and again, that sort of dismisses early pregnancy loss is like, well, at least you didn't lose your baby at 18 weeks, or at least you didn't lose your baby because it doesn't, that doesn't quantify the grief, you know, it should, it shouldn't have to have that kind of hierarchy. And then my other big learning was that just this, the strength in women, that womanhood and motherhood are not synonymous because, I think that's where the shame and stigma comes from as well as this idea that you're less of a woman if you can't procreate or you, you know, even the word miscarriage, sort of this idea that you, you know, miscarried your baby. It's on you. You miscarried it. You, I, I believe that, you know, that that's a big, that's a big point. And if we can shift that bizarre old idea that I have no idea where it comes from, but this idea that, you know, we're just here to procreate, well, I'm, we can 
we can lose that. <laughs> we can lose that. Absolutely. I agree with the 12 week thing completely. And I think for more reasons than than pregnancy loss alone. I mean, last week we put out an episode all on the first trimester and it's amazing the feedback we've had of women being like, just they didn't know that so many women were going through what they went through. And often, like, you know, the first trimester can be the hardest time in some people's lives. It's the like, hardest. Like, yeah. And, yeah, I don't mean to sound dramatic, but my first trimester with my first child was honestly like some of the darkest moments of my life. But you're meant to be like, oh, better not tell anyone I'm pregnant while I'm like literally cannot stand up straight, vomiting all day long, going to hospital, like, what the hell is that? No, you're, you're almost doing some sort of like mission impossible, like going, oh, I'm not going to tell work because I'm like just going to pretend that I'm like just having a, a day off, but secretly I'm like in my toilet bowl. It's, yeah, it's really it's quite so backwards. Mm. Yeah, I've never understood it. And, and look, to be honest, uh, and I'm not saying you go out and do a social media thing, like you, whatever that looks like for you, but certainly I, with my pregnancies, I told. I, I was embarrassed the first time around when I had to call everyone and tell them we had lost the pregnancy. But after every pregnancy, you know, as soon as I saw those positive tests, I, I told, I guess, and, and actually Pink Elephants really championed this idea, this circle of support. So I told my closest girlfriends and my family because I knew that if, if anything was to go wrong, they're the ones who are going to help me through it. So I would hope that most women at least can tell you know, someone that they really trust, that they've got that, you know, what they're experiencing and, and not have to sort of think they have to do it all on their own because, yeah, like you said, it's it's like the first trimester is really hard. My I, I get terrible morning sickness and I need to like talk to people because I'm like, I'm just so sick. So it's good to talk to people. But I think also when it comes to loss and the grieving process, a lot of us as human beings tend to try and find a answer to make that person feel better. Like, you know, what you were saying before, oh, you know, at least it wasn't this or at least it wasn't that. And I guess what we need to understand and learn is to how to just be empathetic and be there and, and say, how can I help you? I'm so sorry. Yeah. And that's it. Because again, and it's no fault on the support person, like you said, they're just trying to help their friend or their partner or sister, you know, get through this. So whatever that looks like, you know, I mean, I, I liken it to like a panic response because you just like, how can I fix it quick? Let me give me something that I can solve this. And I think that's, you know, why, why a, a part of making the film was just trying to sort of show that, you know, that that's why we grieve like that. That's why we're feeling like this. And yeah, I mean, a simple, I'm so sorry for your loss is fine. You don't have to try and justify it to try and fix it. Because again, I, we, and I certainly, when those things were said to me, I knew it was coming from a good place but it wasn't necessarily helpful. Yeah, so. totally. I got a lot, oh, at least you got pregnant so quickly, you'll get pregnant quickly again. And I was like, but I want that baby, like, uh, uh, like you know, at the time. And now I'm very blessed and grateful for the babies that came in the future. But at the time I was like, yeah, that's, that's all well helping. and good. <laughs> I want that one that yeah. is no longer with yeah. me. I can't remember. I spoke to someone as well who their doctor advised them to just like get straight back to it, you know, just get straight back to it. And it was like, oh, okay. And it just, so I think that's the thing. There's some, sometimes there's just that little bit of disconnect, like you said, where you're like, but I, I'm still just trying to process 
that loss before I even think about whatever, you know, whatever could be. So You don't just like sub um, the kids in and out. Like that's not how it works. Yeah, you jump back on the horse with your backpack full of grief. You've actually got to, you know, get rid of all those layers. Exactly. Mm. Exactly right. What has been the main feedback from women or partners from this documentary? Well, I mean, I I have the documentary's been out now for two weeks and it has been overwhelmingly to to a point where I'm almost, I was like, I, I... I'm just kind of shocked because I, I, this was always just an intention to start a conversation and it has been so, so lovely getting all these messages from not only men and women, but family members, friends who have watched the film and said, thank you. Cause I was, I wasn't sure how to best support my friend. It's been overwhelmingly positive. People are ready, I think, to have this conversation and to make a change. And even if I and the team behind the film play a very small part in that, then our, our job is, is done, you know, just to start that conversation. And this is the main reason Sophie and I created this podcast because we wanted to bring out all the, you know, the raw, unfiltered truths of motherhood. And whenever we have a questionnaire sticker of, you know, what people would like to hear more about. I can't tell you how many times people want to know more about miscarriage and having support so they can actually feel more supported themselves. I mean, for women to not be in the dark and be supported during these times is is really what we want out of this. And I think you're doing an incredible job supporting that. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you guys. And yeah, it's thank you for helping us get the the conversation out there it's it's it is it's like secret women's business and I I I do think the more we all try and talk about this it's it just I just don't want to have anyone feel what I felt that first time around I just don't want anyone to go through that so yeah, the more we can all add ourselves to the conversation, the the louder we become. And have you found the experience healing? Because we chatted to Eleanor Pendleton a couple of weeks ago and she was quite open when she had a miscarriage before having banjo and she said as much as she got amazing feedback, she actually found the feedback quite overwhelming because people were sharing with her just such devastating stories and she's like, I'm torn between feeling so so happy that I did that so that women had a place to share but then at the same time oh my gosh I'm still healing from my own miscarriage and taking Mm. on everyone's stories at the same time so it can be tricky yeah it's been hard and I'm I'm working on myself through this new phase it's been a lot for me to kind of process because you know like I said that I'm still dealing with guilt and shame in, in the sense of I have two children and some women don't have that. And even though I've tried to share that in the film, this idea of that it's not synonymous with one another, I know that a rainbow baby is not always the outcome for everyone. And I, I feel guilty about that. And I'm, I'm figuring out how to process those feelings. But ultimately, you know, it, 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 me telling my story has been incredibly cathartic for my healing and my you know, I really learned at the end of making this film that, oh, this was my way of honouring the loss because we talk about that in the film, this idea of figuring out something that helps you process your grief and honour your loss so you can sort of move to the next phase. 
And that was the film for me. And certainly, you know, with all the messages coming through and it has been incredibly overwhelming, I, I will say that. But I read one this morning from a husband and actually I'm, I, I get teary because it was he had said, he had said, you know, thank you for helping my family. Mm. And I was just like, oh, my God, like it just, it feels, oh, I'm clearly like a hormonal mess today or something, but like it just meant so much to me. Yeah. And then I kind of go, oh, that's why I did this. That's why I did this, you know, and it's it's sometimes you do, it does take its toll, but you look at the bigger picture of that and it's really nice and it's special. All of this is a positive thing and like I am so thrilled that I can actually you know when my daughters start to have children I can turn around to them and I'm either going to be really old and still podcasting or I'm going to say hey (laughs) mum did a really good thing you should listen to this and I really genuinely hope that you know this helps that generation and and we become a little bit more open and more understanding and yeah look I think that yeah, I just, I commend everyone doing these little bits. It's a really nice thing. And absolutely, that's all we can do is what we can do to try and help not only ourselves, but if we want to help one other person and if that job's done and that person helps one other person and that's how we create change. So that was the whole, that was has always been the messaging behind the film. I think you guys are doing a great thing as well because motherhood is is a tricky place to navigate. So it's it's good. It's good to kind of talk about all that stuff. Pregnancy, it's the greatest anticipation in the world, I think you mentioned in the documentary. And, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, the emotions that we all have from that, yeah, it's just, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. And it is. It is the greatest anticipation. And I never want to take away from the joy of of pregnancy as as well. You know, you have to, you have, like I was saying, it's, it is very hard not to be anxious, but you know, I guess for anyone who falls pregnant after loss, try and enjoy. And if you are still struggling, you know, it's, we're we're all here to support each other. That's why we're opening up this conversation. So you don't have to feel so isolated in what you're going through. But I think there's enough out there on social media and perfect pregnancy pictures and everyone talking about it being the most amazing thing in the world. There's enough about that. Now some people need to talk about (laughs) The realistic side of things, and the too. gory, the gory, gory <laughs> moments. Oh yeah, I think we've all haven't we all done that? I mean, I, I keep you guys probably give, but I, I remember I had googled like natural births, and I saw the most heavenly looking water birth I've ever seen. It was just like it was make believe. I was like, that's gonna be me, and I was it was so far from that. I mean, it's in the film how I give birth. It's not pretty, and you know, you just sort of go. Oh, right. Okay. Well, whatever gets you there. But again, this idea of secret women's business, like, uh, I think we're on to a good thing if women all come together to share this. And I think once the conversations start, it's really hard to Stop shut it. us up. So <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. But thank you so much for coming on today and chatting to us about it. And even more importantly, spending the last, it sounds like two years of your life, putting this incredible film together. Mm. I was honestly blown away when I watched it and will recommend it to everyone. So thank you so much for putting yeah, your time and your family and your mm. story out there. Oh, thank you. And I don't know if any of the women are listening, but any of the women who were in the film as well, 
they, I'm so grateful for them as well to um, share their stories and allow me to be part of that. So, yeah, thank you and thank you for supporting us. Thank you. Thank you so much. And go get back to those two they, beautiful babies. <laughs> I'll see what, they, what terror they've done upstairs. Here we go. Thanks so much, ladies. Appreciate it. See ya. <laughs> see you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.